Hello and welcome to St. Paul's United Methodist Church's Sermon Podcast. I'm Pastor Mike Agnew and it's great to have you listening to our sermons. If you don't currently have a church home and you'd like to learn more about our church, you can find out more by going to www.cherokeemethodist.com. Now, we're going to take a break from our sermon series that we've been on, on intentional spiritual growth, because this Sunday in our church, Sunday, October 24th, is a special Sunday that we call Children's Sabbath. This is a special Sunday because the children and the youth lead almost the entire service, other than the sermon and a praise song. They pretty much lead the rest of it. They even greet as people come in. In addition to that, in the service, we're going to be honoring our Sunday school teachers. We're going to be giving out Bibles to third graders. So there's a lot going on. And as we think about children, I thought that the best thing to do for our sermon today is to look at the one story that we usually think of when we think of children in the Bible. And that is the story of when Jesus blessed the children. And and so we're looking in the Gospel of Matthew, his version of it. But most of us, we know the story. It's pretty simple. And we even have a mental image of it. You know, we have an image of Jesus sitting down and some children on his knee, others gathered around him. But let's look at what actually happens in the story here. Now, as the story goes, Jesus is busy doing what Jesus does. You know, he's healing people. He's preaching about the kingdom of God. He's, he's busy. He's a busy guy. And so he's going along, and, and these parents want Jesus to bless their children. Now, when we bless children today, in the Methodist Church we have infant baptism. Some faith traditions have just a blessing. But either way, it, it, they're both blessings in a way. But when we bless children, we typically take it to mean something that's symbolic and spiritual. But something to keep in mind is that it's possible, but that in those days when infant mortality rate was so much greater, it may be that the parents were actually wanting him to bless them and protect them from illness and early death. But in any case, the parents come and they want their children blessed. Now, the disciples think that they're doing Jesus a favor when they say, uh, basically, get away from here. Jesus doesn't have time for you. He's busy. You know, I mean, we don't know why they do that. The Bible doesn't really tell us, but, I mean, we're, we're left to guess. You know, maybe he, maybe they thought that Jesus would think that was kind of a trivial thing and that he was busy with other things to do. But in, in any case, Jesus stops, and he interrupts what he's doing to give time to the children. Okay, so this, this says something, obviously, about the value of children then and now, that he interrupts what he's doing, to give time to the children. And he blesses them. But that's not the end of the story. He then uses this occasion as an object lesson for the adults. And he says that we need to have faith like children. If we're going to be a part of the kingdom of God, he's not talking about heaven, he's talking about living under the reign of God now. He says, if we're going to live under the reign of God now, if we're going to be in the kingdom of God, we have to have faith like children. Wow, well, that must be pretty important then. And so, one thing that we obviously want to answer then is, what does it mean to have faith like a child? Well, again, there are many ways we could answer that. The Bible doesn't tell us. You know, 
that's kind of frustrating, isn't it? The Bible doesn't give us all the answers. It's almost as though God wants us to think for ourselves rather than just giving us all the answers. So anyway, it doesn't really tell us what that means, so we're left to guess, and, you know, different suggestions have been given. For instance, we could say that faith like a child means being open and candid about our feelings, our thoughts, who we are. You know, you think about it, kids are usually very open. They're very open about their thoughts and feelings, and usually, especially younger children, you never have to wonder what they're thinking. Or you, you never have to wonder what they're afraid of. They're just really open. And as we get older, we, we stop doing that for many reasons. Some of them good, some of them self-protection, but it can limit us from having authentic relationships with others. So that could be one angle. Or it, it could be that, you know, kids tend to realize that they are dependent and that they need help. So when a crisis comes, a child is usually more than willing to tell their parent or an adult that they need help, right? They have no problem with that. As we grow up, we generally think we have to be self-sufficient, and so when crisis comes, we hesitate to ask for help when we really should. So that's another aspect, maybe, but, you know, the one aspect that's given the most is that having faith like a child means having a simple, unquestioning faith. Just trusting so completely and easily. And you know, that's really interesting because when I think of children, I really don't think of unquestioning. <laughs> you know, a child's faith might be simple, but it's certainly not unquestioning. Children ask questions all the time, right? And especially when it comes to faith, especially when it comes to God, Children ask all kinds of questions. They ask many questions that can't be answered, many questions that we wish, because we don't know the answers to them. But they ask them because they haven't learned yet that they're not supposed to ask the questions. And so, so kids ask all kinds of questions. They have all kinds of doubts and uncertainties when it comes to their faith. It's a simple faith, yes, but it's an uncertain, or I guess you could call it a curious faith. Right? They, they want to know more, and they're, they're not afraid to ask questions. That's childlike faith. But you know what happens along the way? We get older, and somewhere along the way, we learn that we shouldn't ask those questions. We shouldn't ask those questions in general. Sometimes our curiosity is squelched. Or sometimes we're told we shouldn't ask questions because pastoral leaders are, are afraid of questions that they can't answer. And so for whatever reason, we, as we grow up, we, we stop asking questions as much. Our, our faith becomes less curious, and instead it becomes more certain. As we start to fool ourselves into thinking that our faith can answer all of our questions and lead us to be certain about every single thing in the world. And so we, we, we reach this stage of false certainty about everything. And, you know, some people stay there. But for a lot of people, they don't stay there. You know, it's kind of interesting as we look at these two kinds of faith. It's like the people who have unquestioning faith tend to be the adults, not the children. So it's kind of flipped. But for a lot of people, sometimes it's when they reach young adulthood, sometimes later, they reach a new stage in faith. It's when the cracks in their certainty start to show. As some of those questions 
and thoughts and doubts that they'd been taught to bury deep below start bubbling up to the surface again. And they start to dare to ask the questions they've been told not to ask and to think about things they've been told not to think about. And they start to have uncertainty and they start to have doubt. Their faith starts to become curious again. And then hopefully we reach a stage that sometimes we call the second naivete. Naive, you know what that word naive means is that, you know, in a sense, naive, we, we think of it in a negative context, but it means simply that we don't know. We're naive. We don't know. And so, you know, when we're really young, there's a lot we don't know. And so that's the first naivete. And then we reach this this illusion of certainty. And then eventually, we kind of comes back around full circle. We start asking questions again. We have doubts. We have uncertainties. We still have faith, hopefully, right? But we we, we realize we're not certain about everything. And so we, we kind of reach, hopefully, this, this stage of second naivete, which says, you know what? I don't know everything. I can't answer every question. Not everything makes sense, but I'm going to trust in God anyway. I'm going to trust in God anyway, and I'm going to follow him. And I'm going to keep, I'm not going to bury those questions, right? I'm still going to think about them. I'm still going to investigate them, but I'm going to learn to be okay not having to know everything. I'm going to learn to be able to be okay with there being questions that cannot be answered. That's the second naivete, where you come to peace with that aspect of the faith, right? So so before you get to that point, probably having all these questions and doubts and uncertainties are going to be very unsettling, and it's going to be frightening. It's going to be scary. And you might not even know if you're going to remain a Christian or not, because you realize, how can I have faith if I have doubts? Oftentimes, it's because we've been taught that we can't have doubts and have faith at the same time. But you can. And when you reach that stage of second naivete that says, you know what? I believe in God. I have a trust in a loving God. And I have a lot of questions that I'm not necessarily ever going to be able to answer, but I'm going to keep looking into them because I'm curious. That's that's what it means to have faith as a child. All right. So let's switch gears for a moment. I want to spend a few minutes talking about how it is that we, uh, as church members, parents, grandparents, how we can be intentional about help, helping our kids to grow in the faith. Right? Because if, if a child was baptized as an infant, what happens is that there are three parties that are entering into a covenant or an agreement. Those three parties include the parents of the child, the congregation, and God. Okay, and all three parties have a part to play in leading and bringing up this child in the faith. So the church obviously has a large role to play, giving opportunities for kids to grow in the faith, to learn about God, and for spiritual formation, whether that be Sunday school, worship, Bible school, confirmation, teen time, you know, on and on, different opportunities to help kids grow in the faith. The church certainly has a part to play. I would argue that the larger part to play in the faith development of children is with the parents at home. Because first of all, it's up to the parents to make it a priority for the kids to take advantage of the opportunities that the church gives. But secondly, it's because the kids are at home a lot more than they're at church. 
And the reality is that kids are watching their parents. And here's the thing. There are no guarantees, but but here's something that seems to be true for many. And that is that when your child grows up, the kind of faith that they are going to have, the amount of impact that faith is going to have in their daily life will largely be impacted by what they see with their parents. Right? So, you know, what are they seeing at home? You know, are there ever times when they read the Bible at home or is it just at school, at church? Is, you know, do they ever pray at home or is it only at church? And I'm not saying this stuff to guilt the parents, but, you know, what are we doing to disciple our children? But more important than actually reading the Bible or praying, more important than those things, it's just parents, how you live your daily life. Are you a follower of Christ? Is faith important to you? Is it is it impact your daily life? Because the thing is, if your kids think that faith is basically just a kid's thing, something that you graduate from, so to speak, then when they grow up, they're going to tend to think that faith is a kid's thing. But if they see that faith modeled by you <clears throat> day after day, then they're going to see that faith is a big deal. And it's not going to guarantee that they're going to follow it. There are no guarantees, right? But it's going to make it much more likely. And this is true not only for parents, but also for grandparents as well. But at the same time, I don't want us to think that the burden rests entirely on us. Because we have to realize as we do this that we're not in it alone. Because the Holy Spirit is with us guiding us along the way. Amen. God bless and have a great week.